is not even about targeting kind of um, Navy vessels or military satellites necessarily. Instead, it is, it's a spy v. spy. It is, I'm going to keep you from being able to use your offensive cyber operations. And I'm gonna do that through a variety of means that makes it a lot harder for you to launch those operations themselves. Welcome to Office Hours, where we follow up on the most frequently asked questions to Policy Ed videos. I'm Tom Church, a policy fellow at the Hoover Institution, and today we're talking to Jackie Schneider about the many questions she received on her video titled, How Dangerous Are Cyber Attacks? Jackie is a Reserve Air Force officer and a fellow at the Hoover Institution, where she studies cybersecurity. In your video, you point out that cyber attacks haven't yet led to physical harm, but is that always going to be the case? We're moving to a world with the Internet of Things where more and more things are connected. So what sort of vulnerabilities might occur in the future that could lead to actual harm? I think that's always the fear that cyber attacks are going to do physical harm to human beings. And when you think about things like... Um, digital pacemakers um, and medical facilities that are tied into digital capabilities, you, you can be afraid. You know, there's a recent the discussion about wastewater um, and how cyber attacks against wastewater plants could have knockdown effects on kind of drinking water. But I think most of those would, would probably be cyber criminal attacks. And so we need to worry about that as kind of a domestic criminal issue. We have not seen states actively engage in those kinds of attacks. And so the hope is that we can deter people like Russia, North Korea, um, China, because they're the ones who be able to create those kind of effects on a larger scale. Um, and then relying on domestic uh, police and FBI to try and decrease the ability of criminals to do that kind of nefarious cyber attack with physical effects. Can you paint a picture for us on what active cyber warfare would look like from both civilian and military perspectives? If we were to enter a conflict with state actors like Russia, China, or Iran, what would their cyber attacks look like? So this has been evolving. Um, and I think you can look at a lot of the conflicts that Russia has entered into for a bit of an idea about what these cyber attacks could look like. First and foremost, cyber attacks are going to target military command and communi command um, communications networks to try and degrade military capabilities. So we can expect that all the networks that the United States has built for its uh, dominant military capability are going to be actually very early targets in any sort of conflict. But the other possibility is that there will be cyber attacks on either what we call dual use infrastructure, that's infrastructure that both civilians and military forces rely on, and then potentially civilian infrastructure itself. So attacks on electrical grids, um, attacks on hospital systems. Now there are laws and norms about attacks and warfare that are designed to cause civilian harm. And the hope is that we can build some sort of consensus between states like US, China, Russia, so that we have an idea of what's off limits and what's kind of appropriate targets. I think those military targets would be very appropriate targets in warfare, but there's a really good argument to be made that things like civilian hospitals or even military hospitals would be completely off limits. Um, I think the larger question is, 
dual use infrastructure. And when you see states like the United States who rely on services from Amazon Web Services, for example, our database farms, which are hosting US military information, but run by a contracting organization, are those viable targets? I think that's actually something that we, re we really need to discuss with our allies and adversaries. How can the public recognize foreign interference in cyberspace, not necessarily active cyber warfare, but maybe misinformation online or other areas? Yeah, so we've actually, um, we've learned a lot about this in the last few years. So there are some telltale signs that it's a foreign disinformation campaign online. Um, some of those are pretty obvious grammar mistakes, um, a feeling like, hmm, this doesn't quite work. Um, and actually you see that kind of awkwardness in Chinese disinformation campaigns. They're, they're just not very good um, at, at trying to recreate kind of US personas. The Russians on the other hand are quite good at it. Um, and quite often when you look at Russian personas and the memes, for instance, that the IRA built, um, they're good it's really hard to tell. And what we've seen actually is that there's a bit of a confluence now between disinformation tactics that are primarily foreign um, and them seeding kind of domestic misinformation or seeding bad foreign information inside kind of existing sects or existing divisions inside the US population. So there, there's much less of a clear divide now between the progenitor of bad information um, because it is so heavily mixed. Any advice for people to, uh, to where they can go to even verify this information or how, how to better protect themselves? I think in general, if, if something seems salacious and yet, and yet you want to believe it, <laughs> you should check it. You know, if it, if it supports your priors, but it's crazy, check it because <laughs> that's the stuff i mean even me you know i have priors about what i want to believe or what i don't want to believe um and so i always find oh if that seems like it fits my view really really well and it seems a little bit crazy let me check that and you know snopes is a really good um website um, usually you can actually do a, a pretty good kind of Google search and it will tell you kind of this is true, this is not true. Um, uh, Facebook has been experimenting with trying to kind of rate whether things are true or not true. It's, it's been a challenge for the, the social media platforms. But I think in general, try and always question yourself and, and say, hmm, if, I, if, if this feels too good to be true, maybe I should check that out. Should we be worried about the government collaborating with private companies on the issue of cybersecurity? Are there are there privacy concerns that outweigh the potential benefits of the military, the government working with private companies that are so dominant in their fields? So maybe counterintuitive, but I think we should be a little bit worried. Um, I think that the Department of Defense is best when it is looking outward and not inward. Um, and so the primary role for partnerships with private sector should probably be with the Department of Homeland Security. And then the Department of Defense becomes kind of the third partner that's able to actually execute operations against foreign entities. So the idea would be that 
the first line of defense is to go to DHS. DHS is your clearinghouse of information. It is kind of your broker to get you involved or connected with the Department of Defense. And actually, that's what we're starting to see is these initiatives, these kind of pathfinder initiatives where you take one key critical infrastructure sector, and then you pair that with Department of Homeland Security, and then with kind of this third partner, which is the Department of Defense. But always remembering that the Department of Defense does its best work when it is focused on international security. And what makes the United States have a more professionalized military is our ability to separate our military from domestic security issues. And so in general, I think we should we should focus more on the Department of Defense on the out and less on the in. In your video, you mentioned preemptively degrading the capabilities of our adversaries in cyberspace. So why isn't that treated as an act of war or at least a source of conflict in international relations? And what does that look like? There is a lot of questions about whether it could be an act of war. Uh, we are in the process of kind of norm building here. And so states are, are currently contesting with each other and experimenting in order to see whether this can be a norm where these types of activities fall under a threshold of, I often hear on conflict, but I like to use a threshold of violence. Um, what is status quo? What is okay? And you see this also with the discussion with solar winds. The Biden administration has postured this as, um, while it might be espionage, which should be okay, this is bigger and therefore not okay, which is actually a very difficult norm to propagate. So key to these assumptions under the US's 2018 Department of Defense cyber strategy is that the US will be able to preemptively degrade adversary cyber capabilities without starting a war. What does that look like? Um, that looks like counter cyber operations that degrade the Russian internet research agency's ability to use their networks, that um, attacks PLA um, software that they use to create a disinformation campaign. So it's not about targeting critical infrastructure. Absolutely not. It's not even about targeting kind of um, Navy vessels or military satellites necessarily. Instead, it is, it's a spy v. spy. It is, I'm going to keep you from being able to use your offensive cyber operations. And I'm going to do that through a variety of means that makes it a lot harder for you to launch those operations themselves. And then the hope is that states then have to invest in defending themselves and that becomes kind of a waste of resources, right? So that Russia has to waste a lot of their limited cyber resources on defending attacks against their offensive cyber instead of using their cyber resources just to do offense. So it's a bit of like a changing the cost equation. That was Jackie Schneider answering your questions about the danger of cyber attacks. Make sure to follow PolicyEd from the Hoover Institution on Facebook or YouTube to see new videos every week.